We are live from Night Soccer and Coffee in Northeast Minneapolis for Playoff Post Loons presented by Night Street Soccer and Coffee. What's going on? My name is Jeremy Rushing. Unfortunately, we are here to break down a three to one playoff loss for the Loons. Uh, they bow out to Portland in Providence Park. Um, and it's the end of the season for the Loons. Now we head into the offseason, a lot of talking points, but give a little season retrospective and a little game retrospective on the loss with me here mr jacob schneider from zone coverage and mlssoccer.com jacob how you doing tonight man uh hey jeremy how's it going uh i'm i'm fine i had a great time watching that game but i'm sure there are a lot of people that are going to be coming in here that uh don't have the same feeling as me um we had two great games of soccer today uh two great games of soccer yesterday MLS playoffs are a special time for everybody involved, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to cover them, to be able to work in this, and for me, it's just a joy. Um, it's an unfortunate loss for Minnesota, but I'm thrilled to see Portland thriving under Gio Savarese and Sebastian Blanco just put on a clinic tonight. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was it was fascinating. It was champagne football from Sebastian Blanco. It was, it was fantastic. For sure. Yeah, and before we get into breaking down the game, before we get into giving our three things, uh want to let you know that if you're watching on youtube give us a thumbs up give us a like uh drop a question or comment in the stream in the chat we'd love to respond to those as we get moving along here um if you're watching on twitter if you want to help us out give us a like give us a retweet and uh let us know that uh or let, let your friends know that post loons is live here from night street soccer and coffee so jacob as you mentioned it is a playoff loss for minnesota united although it is nice to have playoff soccer to talk about and to think about and to, you know, get, get prepped and ready for. So that's actually where we'll get started with our three things here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give mine. Uh, my first one is body language, body language, body language. Um, the second half, as that onslaught sort of progressed for Portland, you saw the shoulder shrug from Minnesota quite a bit. You saw... Uh, some standing around, some walking, not a huge sense of urgency. Um, I don't want to use the term g gave up because that is too intense, too strong of a term. But you can definitely tell that that sense of urgency and that intensity really just, just wore down in the second half. And there wasn't much of a response from the Loons to what Portland was able to put together offensively in the second half. Yeah, I can agree. I think, uh, I think Minnesota just... They didn't look the part, and I think when you don't look mm -hmm. the part, you don't feel the part. You don't, when you don't feel the part, you don't get the result. Thing number two for me, Portland was due. I mean, Portland is too good of a team to kind of rack up this trend against Minnesota United that they have. No, no disrespect to Minnesota, obviously. They've done well and have earned those wins and those results that they've gotten over the Timbers. But, you know, when you're, when you're Gio Savarese and you have the horses on the field that you have and you have the pedigree that you have, if you go seven unbeaten, or if you, excuse me, seven without winning against a team like Minnesota, you're due for that win, and that win is going to come around. Unfortunately for the Loons, it came in the playoffs. But for Portland, it was a well-deserved win and one that I, I think, you know, was the, the, the other shoe was about to drop at some point, and tonight was the night. Yeah, no, I, uh, I can agree with you there, Jeremy. I think um, I told you in our pregame uh, – uh, Twitter space is that it's very difficult to find a result against one team three times in the same season. It rarely happens. We see, multiple, we see teams play each other three times during a season. That's not unusual. But one team winning or getting a result all three times, very uncommon. Um, mm -hmm. Portland was the better team tonight. The result is deserved. 
And uh, I think uh, you move on from here and figure out what's next. And this is calling back to sort of what you mentioned right at the beginning here, Jacob. Playoffs equals fun. And there's something about when your team is in the playoffs and you, you wake up in the morning with that feeling that, okay, we got a playoff game today. It's sort of on your mind as the day goes on, that, that preparation, kind of getting up for a game like that. It's so much fun to have. And there are a lot of clubs in MLS right now who would kill to be in the position that Minnesota United has been in over the last two, three seasons. Looking at you, Chicago Fire, right? <laughs> uh, they would kill to be in the position Minnesota is in right now. And while it's disappointing to lose in the first round, and yeah, you don't necessarily – you can have both. You can be disappointed in the results, but still be okay with the big picture that this is a team who's made the playoffs three years in a row. And despite taking a, a minor step back this season, still a team that looks to be on an upward trajectory as far as what we were able to see specifically from the attacking front over the, the last portion of the season, we have never seen anything remotely like that before from a Minnesota United club. So it's, there, are, there are a lot of positives to take into the offseason, but just the fact that you, you have that playoff environment, you have that playoff match, 275-plus Loons fans making that chartered trip out to Portland. It's just so much fun. And there are so many other teams that, that don't get that opportunity, that, would, that don't have that, that looked at Minnesota United's fan base all the tweets, all the pictures of going to Portland and stuff. And there was, I'm sure there was a lot of jealousy, a lot of like, man, I wish that was us. And it, you have yeah. to keep that in mind, I think, when you look at the big picture for a Minnesota United fan. I think, um, I think I can agree with that. I think all in all, this should be a successful season for Minnesota United. And I think if anybody else, if anybody looks at it as unsuccessful, um, take a look back at the perseverance that the squad has gone through in the 2021 season, how, a big name signing did not turn out. Uh, how you lost players to international duty. You had the Euros. You had the Olympics. You had uh, international FIFA windows. Like it, it's, Portland's a very good team. Don't be disappointed. Be be optimistic because there's a lot, a lot on the horizon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you're, again, you're on the upper trajectory. It's your third straight year making the playoffs, and I think we need to see. We need another year to see where this team truly stands because this was a bit of a step back this season compared to the last two. We saw some better things. We saw a better overall, I believe, product on the field when you're talking about your entire starting 11. Much better attacking front, a lot more balance. But when it comes to seeding, when it comes to where you finish in the table, when it comes to all in all where you ended up, it's definitely a step back compared to last season. However, you need to give this team the opportunity to – a, have a full season of that starting attacking front next season, and B, give them the opportunity to recover from this, right? There are a lot of teams who, you know, they don't – there's a revolving door. There's not a, not a lot of continuity. Um, you know, their expectations are high, which is – it's good to have high expectations, but you also have to let sort of things pan out. And I think Minnesota United has the opportunity to do that. Now, if you take another step back next season and then it becomes just a downward spiral, okay, maybe it's time then. But I think as things sort of stand, yes, you can add. Yes, you can continue to make adjustments where you need to make adjustments. Yes, you can continue to tinker with the lineup and improve the lineup. But I don't necessarily think you need to go back to the drawing board if you're Minnesota United. I think the foundation is there, but we need another year to know if that foundation can be consistent enough to – to stay together. So Jeremy, let me, uh, let me, let me start with my three things then, because my third right. point is definitely correlating with what you're talking about right now. 
Uh, number one, sloppy giveaways. Um, very poor midfield performance from both teams in the first half. Uh, neither team really controlled possession. Neither team really looked the part. Uh, Minnesota got the early goal, and it looked like they might uh, take advantage of the situation. But, again, it, it was just a poor midfield performance. Emmanuel Reynoso had debatably his, I guess, worst game of the season for Minnesota United. He was really yeah. needed a month. You know, Adrian Ruth talks about how Reynoso has the ability to be the best player in this league on his best day. Today he was average, and average isn't good enough when it comes down to him. Um This is a very, very poor performance from Will Trapp. Um, there's a reason he was subbed off. Uh, mm. I, I would probably give Will Trapp, if I were rating players out of 10, I would give him the lowest rating out of any Minnesota, any Minnesota United player today. Um, he really cost his team with some sloppy giveaways in the midfield. His awareness, his vision, his his, his lack of passing. His, it was an all-around tough performance for him today. And uh, number Definitely. Two. Um, and, and we talked about this in the pregame Twitter spaces. Um, you can, I think you can still hear me. Um, uh, we talked about this in the pregame Twitter spaces where, you know, a man for this Minnesota United team. Sure. Where Reynoso does so much for this Minnesota United team, but he's there's a strategy of going against Reynoso where if you if you beat him up if you if you don't give him a lot of space if you put him on the ground if you if you frustrate him then there's there's if and you're able to do that successfully it really does affect Reynoso's game and it really does. Um, if, if you take Reynoso out of the equation, if you pull him out and sort of, I guess, uh, negate what he can do, you can really have success against this Minnesota United team. And Portland found a way to do that. Again, I do agree with you, Jacob. I do think it was just kind of one of those off game at the wrong time scenarios for Reynoso too. But also credit to Portland for having the, uh, you know, the, the strategy and the game plan um, and, and doing it very, very successfully. If we ignore the final, like, Five minutes of, of normal time. Laris Maviala had a fantastic game. Put Reynoso yep. in his back pocket. Put Hunu in his back pocket. Put Lode in his back pocket. Just they locked they, their defense. They, they locked it up after uh, conceding early, and they figured it out. Minnesota did not. All right, let's go to number two. Um, just felt like there was a lack of desire, and I kind of talked about this uh, when I was following up on uh, your point, Jeremy. Just you're looking at the second half, and let's look at the third goal from Sebastian Blanco. An absolute stunner, a golazzo. Everything about it was beautiful. But when the ball's given away, Emmanuel Reynoso stands there, watches Blanco run past him, and doesn't even turn around to watch what happens. Will Trapp doesn't get there, doesn't make the tackle. Chase Gasper doesn't step up. Bakaida Bassi doesn't step up. What does Blanco do? He hits top bins because he can. He has that yeah. ability. It just there's 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 no pressure there's no there's no want there's no desire to push farther up the field to push harder to give everything you know in a, in a playoff game any stage of the playoffs you need to leave everything on the pitch um they they made it to the pitch in the opening 10 minutes of the first half and they left about the 20th minute of the game and they never came back so to you, Jacob, following up on that point, you know, obviously Minnesota United was able to bring the intensity last year needed to compete in a playoff environment. You, know, you go to you you go to Dallas, win three 0 You go or you sorry, you beat Dallas at home three 0 You go to Kansas City and win three 0 
uh, you know, you're uh, 10 minutes away from advancing to, to MLS Cup. To yeah. you, what was the difference last year to this team this year in terms of having that needed intensity and knowing the type of intensity that you need to bring for all 90 plus to compete in that playoff environment, specifically on the road? Uh, I'm, I'm going to circle back to my midfield thing here. Um, all of last year was the uh, um, Gregor Shalonzo uh, midfield pairing. It worked really well. They they played off each other's strengths. Ozzy Alonso and Will Trapp do not play well together. Mm. You know, the entire season was Will Trapp and Hassani Dotson. Uh, Dotson fell out of form. We threw Alonso in there. They, they just don't mesh well. They're two similar players, and they, they don't play to each other's strengths. They play to each other's weaknesses, and, you know, that shows. Um, looking back last year, the Gregor's – uh, Alonzo Perrin really worked in the midfield. They got the ball forward. Um, and as amazing as Emmanuel Reynoso is of a, of a player, his set-piece delivery is not very good, uh, if I'm being frank. It, it's straight up. He can hit a free kick fantastically, yes. He, like set-pieces, like if he's targeting on net, I want him. But if I'm if I'm kicking corners, if I'm delivering the ball in the box, his delivery is just – it's not been good lately. And there, that, that's an area where Greg Ush was really solid for Minnesota last year. And you also have to look at Kevin Molino. You, you, we, we replaced Kevin Molino with Frank Fragapano, who's been wonderful, but he's not Kevin Molino. Prime Kevin Molino, in, in his best, is one of the best players in the league. And uh, there was just a sense of belief they could do it. I don't think anybody trusts him either in the mood up top right now. There, there seems to be a lack of belief in getting the ball to him. Or trusting him to get to ball the ball to you, he holds up the ball well. He'll draw away defenders like he did on the first goal, but it, it just doesn't feel like this is a cohesive unit. It feels like we have a bunch of good players and no one meshing besides one, two, maybe three people. All right, and number three, so there's, there's going to be an off-season overhaul. Um, Adrian Heath's contract is up. There is an option for 2022. Uh, Jeff Ruder of The Athletic reported that uh, the Loons have indeed picked up that option. Um, but we go to players. Uh, I've got this written down, so just give me a sec. Uh, Loons have options for uh, – they're out of contract, but they have an option for Juan Agudelo, Fernando Adi, Brent Coleman, Yuka Raidala, Will Trapp, and Adrian Zendejas. And I, uh, I think the only person who I would bring back is Brent Coleman. I think the Loons need to let Will Trap go. I think uh, I think a, mid a midfield overhaul is needed. Jan Gregus is gone at the end of the season. A DP slot will be opened if Will Trap leaves. If Ozzy Alonso is not picked up because Ozzy is officially out of contract, along with Ethan Finn, who unfortunately missed today's contest with a concussion. So, looking at looking at starting players who could be gone next year, it's Ethan Finley, Ozzy Alonso, Will Trap, and then you know the the bench role players of Agudelo, Adi, Coleman. Uh, Zendejas and Rydal. You know, it's look at that list. I don't know if any of them are worth bringing back besides Coleman because he's a cheap, reliable defender. He's a local mm. story. He meshes well with the team. He's a long-serving player. I, I just, I think it might be time to do a midfield overhaul. And you know, you've got Hassani Dawson, who could be a cornerstone piece. We still don't know mm. a lot about Joseph Rosales. Um, yeah, he, he looked good today. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, really. I don't know if he did anything great, but. He he looks fine. I want to I want to see more. I these bench cameos aren't good enough to figure out anything about a player who we came into the league. We know nothing about him either. So um, it might be time to, to, to just overhaul that midfield. Something new. Bring in a new defender. 
splash the cash. It's reported that uh, the Leeds are going to be bringing in a Brazilian striker. Well, it's time to maybe test the bank because if yeah. you look at the teams who are winning besides Colorado, Colorado's an anomaly. They're an anomaly. <laughs> They're splashing the cash. And yeah. we know that uh, Adrian Unu didn't work out this season. It's possible he comes back and has a good season next year. But based on his performances, I wouldn't count that. So it, it may be time to uh, to look and uh, overhaul this midfield, maybe test the defense, look and go in the middle of the line, and uh, go from there. It's also safe to say at some point, Franco Fragapane's pockets are going to be a little more full than they are right now, uh, making a little bit more than that 170K he's pulling in currently. But uh, to you, Jacob. You might lose that defined by the league, though. Yeah, After exactly. That tackle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, can't find much value better than that, to be honest. But um, anyways, so you kind of alluded to this in your response, but where do the loons need to add? Not necessarily replace what they may not pick up option-wise, what they might lose, but where do you think they need to add to sort of take that next step and get up into that upper echelon of the Western Conference? It, it is of my my opinion, strictly my opinion, that Jan Gregus should have been a starting role player throughout the entire year. Everybody had a tough first four games of the season. Nobody looked good. Um, it was really frustrating for him. I know he suffered some injuries too. Uh, I think he's a, he's a Europa League caliber six dash eight, wherever you want to play him, whatever, whatever he can do both. Um, but he's gone after the season. He's going to be gone. And now you have to look and replace. You need a DP center, central midfielder. It's it, it's time to bolster that area of the pitch. I, I have a feeling that Will Trap is going to be renewed, um, just because. Well, I would like field. to see that. I think but, he brought. I think he brought so much to this team this season, and especially if you let's say you lose Ozzy Alonso, whether he does retire or whether he decides to go somewhere else, um, you still need somebody of that caliber in the defensive midfield. And I don't know who else, where else you're going to find that besides Will Trapp. I mean, Asani Dotson's great, and he and Trapp were a great combination this season. But, I mean, Trapp was one of those really vital contributors all season long, and he's somebody I think needs to be back. And we talk about backing up the Brinks truck. Maybe back up the Brinks truck for Will, Will Trapp to keep him, you know, signing him for a longer-term deal. I See, I'm, I, I'm, on, I'm on the opposition there. I think he, he's on a very expensive contract. Um I don't think he's worth it. I don't think he's a player who brings anything more to this squad than what we already have in our midfield with Dotson and Rosales. I think Asani Dotson is on par with Will Trapp. I think Joseph Rosales probably has the ability to be on par with Asani Dotson given a few, uh, given, given a little more time. Um, I think you need to splash the cash and really bring in somebody who is, is a rock there. Like you need to bring in a, a prime 25 year old Ozzy Alonso or Diego Char, somebody who can perform for 10 years at that level. And I don't think Will Trap is that guy. Um, I think moving forward, too, is it's going to be tough because uh, Ethan Finley is one of the nicest and most genuine footballers I've ever had the pleasure yeah. to meet, to work with, to interview, to talk, to just chat. He goes out of his way to ensure that he, he gets to know you as a media member. Um, but he's out of contract, and I, I don't know if Minnesota brings him back. I'd love to see it just because I know how good of a person he is, and I know he can pr provide some uh, opportunity off the bench. But again, he's, he's on a little more of a he's on a starting caliber contract, and I, he's not going to be a starter for this Minnesota United squad anymore. 
So that's another tough situation to look at. Um, where, where, where we go from here, it's it's going to be an off-season overhaul, like my third point set. Looking back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the off-season in just a minute, but looking back at this season specifically for Minnesota, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of difference in opinions, no, no surprise there, um, mm-hmm. on how this season panned out for Minnesota. Um, as we mentioned, they did take a little bit of a step back. They showed a lot of good things. They did overcome some adversity when it comes to injuries. You lose the first four, game of the se- four games of the season, but you still end up making the playoffs. Now, there's a lot of lenses to look at this season in. What lens are you looking at? In? Like, I mean, I don't necessarily want to tell you to give it a grade, but how do you perceive this season for Minnesota United, given the first-round exit and just given the entire season as a whole? I, I, like I said at the beginning, they came out, they, they persevered a lot, they had a lot of adversity, but I also think, uh, I also think, you know, when, when you're making these big name signings, when you're bringing in individuals who you think will benefit the team, we, we need to do a harder look because we, Minnesota needs to do a harder look, not we, Minnesota needs to do a harder look because um, it hasn't worked out and they're spending a lot of money on a player like Adrian Unu. They spent a lot of money on a player like Juan Chope Avila. They spent a lot of money uh, bringing in past strikers who just haven't worked out. Having a striker is pretty dang important, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, someone <laughs> can rely on who scores goals. You know, um, it's it's interesting. I I think if I were to give it a letter grade, I'd give it a solid B. And uh, for me, a B is fine. You were fine yeah. this year. You didn't exceed expectations. You met them. You made the playoffs. You made the first round of exit. Uh, in this league, though, to be the best, you have to exceed expectations. Uh, I don't yeah. think this Minnesota United team was ever going to be able to do that. Um, just based on recent performances, based on the character and the personnel of some players, I think I think this first round exit, in my eyes, was expected. There was a stat that our friends at the Dummy Run podcast uh, put out. I know we talked about this on the last podcast, but I do want to talk about it here now that we're looking at the season um, in the rearview mirror now. Um, when at least three of the front four, so that includes Emmanuel Reynoso, Franco Fragapane, uh, Adrian Unu, and Robin Lud, when at least three of them were able to start at the same time in a match, uh, Minnesota United, if you were to take the points that they gained in those matches, the points per game, and you extrapolate that out through the entire season, they would have finished second in the entire league with those when, when you when you when you extrapolate it out like that. Yeah, behind the reds. Is is that enough to sort of take and look ahead and say, okay, full season of this front four, we're good. We'll be we'll be close to the top. You know, this is this is optimistic. Is that enough optimism to say, okay, this team is still on the right path? Because you mentioned an overhaul. So when it comes to when it comes to that specifically, well, how do you how do you feel about it? I guess I don't exactly know how to ask the question I'm asking, but yeah, no, like, I get what you're saying. When it's front four is together, like is that enough optimism to look at if you're a Minnesota United fan and say, okay, we just got unlucky. They weren't able to start in a lot of matches at the same time, international duty, injuries, whatever. If if you sort of are fortunate next season, you get the reverse side of that coin next season, and these guys are able to start. 15, 20, 25 plus matches together. I mean, do we expect to see those results extrapolate in the way that the statistics would lead you to believe? No. 
<laughs> no, not at all. No. I don't think. Um, when I say overhaul, I mean you're going to get rid of a lot of your bench. You're going to get rid yeah. of probably two on and off starters and uh, possibly a third. You know, you've got Alonzo and Finley, who are two MLS veterans, completely out of contract. Then there's one, two, three, four, five, six players who are out of contract but have an option for the club to pick up. Uh, that could be up to eight players right there. You know, if you decline every every option and don't bring back Finley or uh, Ozzy, that's eight players. Um, I think Adrian Inu deserves another opportunity in 2022. Yeah, 2022. I had to think for a second there. Um, because, you know, like, like I mentioned, he uh, he came into a new league in the middle of, of an ongoing pandemic. He, he doesn't yeah. speak the language uh, fully. He, he's, he's getting there really well, but it's not fluent by any means. You know, it's a, it's a new place. You don't have your family with you. You don't have your friends. You know, it's, it's a scary thing. Mm. You know, a lot of players adapt well to that type of thing. Um, it's fair to say that maybe he didn't. And maybe 2022 is a different season. He's a league-owned striker. You know, you brought yeah. in a league-owned striker. And you paid the money for him. They obviously saw something. Um, you just have to hope you see it in 2022. But like I mentioned, they're also it's, – it's rumored. Uh, the Pioneer Press reported that um, – um, Minnesota United is, is chasing after a young Brazilian striker from the second mm-hmm. division. Uh, his name is slipping to mind, though. But, you know, he's, he's lighting up the second division. Uh, he looks mm-hmm. good. He's young. Um, they're going to get an under-22 uh, initiative contract. He's a free transfer. You know, they're better than Juan Magudela and Fernando Adi off the bench. Um, you know, even if he becomes a starter over a minute, then you've got a legal caliber striker off the bench. You know, there, there, there's optimism to be had, but I also think you can, it's warranted frustration for fans right now because of the things All right, Jacob Schneider, zone coverage, MLSsoccer.com, Minnesota United reporter. Uh, you've been so great to us all season long, Jacob. I appreciate it. I know uh, you and your sister are hanging out watching Christmas Chronicles, so I'll let you get back to it. And oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll have you on to talk about everything going on in the offseason for the Loons for sure. as we move forward. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers, Jeremy. Good luck with the rest of the show. All right. Jacob Schneider, zonecoverage.com. Now I want to bring in the man possible for making a lot of this happen on post Loons this season. I'm going to scoot over, give him a little uh, – little room on the camera here it's Derek Swanson from Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee Derek how you doing man doing good Jeremy how you doing man I'm good I'm good so you have been the title sponsor for Post Loons all season long thank you so much for helping us we love you guys uh, being a a great partner with us um you helped us come here make this live post game show happen as well this is really cool hopefully we can do more of it next season um Ninth Street Soccer Coffee if you don't know Ninth Street Soccer Coffee 801 South Ninth Street Minneapolis coffee shop meets five-a-side soccer and it's a real community environment here i mean we were here with at the watch party watching the match on the projection screen with everybody here it was a cool environment there were cheers for the goals there were you know four-letter words spouted at any time minnesota united gave up a goal uh but it's really that soccer community that you guys are bringing together here in the twin cities and that's so awesome to see and that so- sounds like that's been the mission from day one yeah we're so excited that you guys came out tonight so uh thank you guys uh, thank you jeremy and just all that you've done promoting us we appreciate it it's been a lot of fun and as you can see tonight it's just been so cool because we've had so many different cultures backgrounds you know represented here and that's so fun with what's going on on the field with 
uh, games going on, being able to support Minnesota United, also, you know, supporting other uh, games and teams and leagues uh, locally. And so it's been a lot of fun to just build that community. So for those who don't know Ninth Street, I sort of gave the cliff notes here, but if you could kind of dive deeper into that, what was kind of the the deciding factor? You know, what sparked the idea for Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee and kind of what is your goal? What is your mission in the Twin Cities Soccer? Yeah, you know, the, the whole thing is that we wanted to bring people together, right? The idea that we could provide a place, you know, in a time where we're so divided, we're so distanced, we're not able to... Uh, do things over the past couple of years that we usually liked. And, you know, we lived in a pretty divided world. And so having the ability to bring people together, whether it's soccer, whether it's coffee, whether it's a game, whatever it might be, it's been just a joy to, to facilitate that. And, you know, when you can get people together, kick around a ball, drink some chai, uh, drink some coffee, whatever it might be, uh, and kind of just do life together it's it's pretty amazing what can happen you know yeah absolutely so we got the galazzo brew right here um i have this at my house i need to order a new bag because i'm going through it like crazy man um this has got me i, I told uh, i told derek a story that my daughter had this had the sniffles a couple a couple days last week so a couple late nights uh and, and so this stuff was getting me through <laughs> man uh so and this is awesome so it's the galazzo brew from night street and our friends at dogwood coffee correct talk a little bit about this specifically how it came together and where people can get it yeah it's great you can buy it on our website links uh, uh are in our social media uh which is great but you know we wanted to do something that represented some of the cultures that come together and play on the field so this is a combination of a wash Colombian and an Ethiopian bean wow. uh, that, that, you know, we have people that play on the fields that are of, uh, you know, that background. And so uh, we came together with Dan and Ben and the crew over at Dogwood. Uh, they just happen to love soccer as well. All their kids play it and all that stuff. And so we've connected with them. They've helped us a lot in getting stuff uh, started here. And so we just started to dream up, what could we do? And, you know, we did a little poll to see like on different names uh, and Galazzo was the clear winner, which was really fun. <laughs> uh, and we hope that it does bring a little bit, a little bit of spark of joy to everybody's day, which Absolutely. is fun. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. So check them out on social media. I believe if you go to their Twitter or Instagram at Night Street MPLS, MPLS wow, uh, you click the link in bio. And that's where you can get yourself some Galazzo from Night Street Soccer. Um, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, get involved, you know, just learn more. How can they, how can they do that? Yeah, we're really excited. One, uh, hopefully um, it's looking like we're going to be opening the coffee shop here in December, which wow. is amazing. That That's that's new news, uh, which is exciting. So definitely once we have the coffee shop open, stop in, have a try a cup of Galazzo. Uh, and then also, you know, you can follow us on social media, but then, uh, if you want to come play pickup, that's our big thing is yeah. come play pickup. Uh, you know, we offer pickup six days, six out of seven days of the week. It's five bucks, right? Uh, it, it is. Uh, it, we actually we actually raised the price oh, to six no. bucks. Uh, it's all good. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. We raised it to six bucks over the winter, but that's okay. You know, uh, we, but you know, it's cool. So we have it every day a week. We have, a, um, we're bringing back women's only is, is coming back here shortly. We also do free Saturday mornings. We want to make it that anybody can come and play. You don't have to, you know, you, if you can't afford it, there's options for you to, to come and play on Saturdays, um, you know, but there's there's plenty of time that you can come and just enjoy, be part of the community here and create something special with us. Support a group of people who really are dedicating their lives right now to supporting the Twin Cities soccer community. Night Street Soccer and Coffee at Night Street MPLS on all social media, nightstreetmpls.com uh, for all things Night Street Soccer. 
Derek, thank you so much for being part of Post Loons Jeremy, this season. It's our pleasure. Thank you for bringing me out here to do the playoff. Uh, this is awesome. Feels like a real professional post game show. <laughs> it's amazing. We're going we're even going to figure it out even better next time. Exactly. Too, exactly. All right. Derek thank Swanson, you, man. Nice Appreciate soccer it. And coffee. Thank you. Uh, again, check him out. NightStreetMPLS.com. Cannot, uh, cannot uh, thank these guys enough and appreciate these guys enough. All right, let's get into these questions and comments that you guys have been leaving all show long. If you have a question or a comment to leave, drop it in the chat on our YouTube channel. If you're watching on Twitter right now and you want to leave a question or comment for the Q&A, you have to go to YouTube. So just look up. So go to YouTube, search Post Loon, search 10,000 Pitches. We're not cool enough to have our own YouTube URL yet, so apologies for that. But drop those questions and comments in the chat so we can get to them. As we move along here, we'll stick around for a few more minutes and answer those questions. Uh, Sarge kicked it off a little bit earlier, left left this comment. Yellow cards hurt, no handball called in the box. Could have been the change needed, but all in all, team looked poor. It was just that lack of playoff intensity. That's that's what it came down to. It's it's another level in the playoffs. It's one thing to bring it during the regular season, and that's that's applaudable. That's applaudable. But it's a whole nother thing to bring it in the playoffs. There's a different atmosphere, a different intensity, especially when you're going to a place like Portland, like Providence Park. You need to go in there with the eye of the tiger, I guess, for all 90-plus minutes. And you need to be able to overcome adversity, too. Every team faces adversity in the playoffs. I mean, look what happened with Philadelphia. They scored a 99th-minute goal to win. Like, the two-seed, and they're even facing adversity. So... Sarge, I completely agree, but I think it comes down to having that mindset, having that focus, and having that intensity the entire game. And when the chips started to fall Portland's way, when the house of cards started to fall, you saw what happened. Minnesota United lost that intensity. They lost that step. They lost that sort of extra oomph that you need to compete in that environment, and Portland took full advantage. They looked like a seasoned playoff team. Portland did. Minnesota United did not. And that's a kind of counter to some of the arguments I've been making. There's one thing. Minnesota United are not a first-time playoff team anymore, right? There is kind of that idea where the kid gloves are sort of off with this Loons team now. This is their third straight year making the playoffs. They were 10 minutes away from making MLS Cup last year. The, the second-half performance that you saw tonight was not expected. I, I didn't expect anything like that. It's, it looked like a team who was in their first playoff match, and that's that Minnesota United. They are three years running now of playoffs. You need to be able to know how to bring it in a playoff match. So that's where I'm at. Uh, any more questions or comments, leave them in the chat. I'll stick around here for a couple more minutes. Uh, my final thoughts on the season are this. I kind of echo Jacob's sentiments, and there was a lot that went against Minnesota United this season, but we saw a lot of good. We saw a much more balanced roster. But I think this season we also saw what this team misses without, what this team has now or is now missing without Ike Opara. And the reason why I said this is because this is the first year that we've really gotten a full season, a full regular season since 2019, right? Uh, when Ike Opara was MLS Defender of the Year. This team in 2019 did not have that same attacking quality they have now. They had to rely on their defense. Now you have the attacking quality and you're missing that one defensive figure who really held things down on the back. And you saw, you've, we've seen cracks in that Minnesota United defense all season long starting to form. 
And I think the dam kind of broke tonight. Now the question is, what do you do about it? I like the back line that Minnesota United has. I like Roman Metinair, Michael Boxall, uh, Chase Gasper, Bakai Debasi. I like all of them. But you have to find a way to up that quality and up that consistency in the back line. Because the pre- being that this team is more attack-centric, attack attack-heavy now, there is now more pressure on the back line. Because there's the, uh, there's the likelihood of getting caught on counters, getting counters sprung on you. And when that happens and your defensive midfield is caught up, you need that back four to hold strong and hold steady. They did that in stretches this season, but they did not do that in stretches this season. And so that, to me, we've seen what this attacking front can do. We know what this team has in the defensive midfield. Yeah, the defensive midfield was disappointing tonight. Will Trapp and Ozzie Alonso both did not play well, but I think the sample size shows us that that's pretty solid moving forward. To me, it's all about stepping it up defensively. Because if you can get that other side of the coin, that fortunate nature of having that front four healthy and together for a large stretch of next season, I think you'll be fine in the attack. It's all about what happens in the defense. And that and a lot of that will be answered based off the moves that Adrian Heath and co make this offseason. All right, gang. Thank you so much for all of your support all season long for post loons. I mean, we I think we only missed one game all season long for post loons. Uh, this, this is fantastic. It was a ambitious effort on my part. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, learned some things from this experience in this first season of post loons. But I also learned that we have a huge community behind us at 10K. Um, and uh, I really appreciate that. The Twitter spaces in the pregame was fantastic. Um, this will be up on the podcast feed afterward. And we'll be doing, uh, you know, 10,000 Pitches podcast is still rolling strong all offseason long as we kind of look back on Minnesota United season, the college seasons, the forward Madison season. And then we look ahead to what's to come in 2022 on the lower league side uh, and, uh, of course, MLS as well. Uh, thank you all so much once again. That will do it for season one of Post Loons. I appreciate all the support. If you can leave us a thumbs up on your way out, that would be amazing. And we will catch you next year on post loons, but don't forget to listen to the 10,000 pitches podcast every Friday. All right. Bye guys.